Welcome to the Colorado Sports Guys podcast, episode number 47. I'm Ross Martin, and as always from DenverStiffs.com, Nate Timmons is here. What's up, everybody of the interwebs, and what's up to you? Ross Martin, my co-host, my producer. <laughs> I'm good, buddy. Today, we have a lot to talk about. We got a couple of uh, cool uh, guests coming on, and we're going to have them on uh, the Colorado Sports Guys hotline. Uh, we're going to have, uh, first we're going to talk to Duran Hill, uh, who is a local uh, Denver native uh, bo- uh, boxing promoter, who's going to be uh, having a, a, a fight, uh, I guess uh, he's going to have a fight night on July 13th. Friday night, fights. Friday the 13th. Spooky. So spooky. So spooky. I try to not get out on Friday night, <laughs> Friday the 13th. That's going to be at Friday the 13th down at the Exto Event Center. Yeah, so we're going to talk about him. We're going to talk a little bit about uh, what's going on there. There's a, outside of the more common uh, big sports you know, events, there's a, there's a lot of other things going on here. There's a big uh, boxing culture here in Denver, and there's going to be a big fight night down there at Exto. So. We're going to be very proud to have him on to talk a little bit about this uh, fight night. And you know I'm a boxing guy too, Ross, so it's going to be a very good interview. I'm very excited to hear about the local boxing scene in Denver and kind of what his past is too. Looking forward to it. Yeah, that that you are. You are a boxing guy. And uh, then we're also going to have Kalen Dermo on. And and Kalen is uh, a blogger and he uh, runs a round ball mining company. And I love – that name, Round Ball Mining Company. There's uh, uh, so much history in Colorado with regards to mining and all that stuff, and sometimes we forget Nuggets are, you know, that's what that's about. The Denver Nuggets were named after, you know, that uh, that gold dot in the middle of the sea of our flag, that, that gold that helped uh, build our state. So uh, we're going to have him come in here, and uh, we're going to talk about uh, – what are we going to talk about with him exactly, considering uh, it's um, almost July? Sir, we're going to be talking about the NBA draft, which is going on tomorrow night, 5 p.m. on ESPN. Oh, right. So we're going to talk about the draft and what the Nuggets are going to do, I guess, huh? Yeah, and the good folks at uh, Round Ball Mining Company, of course, the founder there, Jeremy Wagner, originally started with SB Nation, broke off, went to the ESPN True Hoop Network, brought on Kalen as one of his writers, and he's been doing a pretty fantastic job over there. Very nice. So we're going to talk a little bit of local boxing. We're going to talk about the NBA draft. And before we, but before we get into all that, we want to remind everybody to like us on Facebook. You can email us, show at coloradosportsguys.com. Follow us on Twitter at COLO Sports Guys. And you can, of course, call us and leave a message on the CSG hotline, the same hotline that uh, both Durant and uh, Kalen will be calling into later. That number is 720-722-1274. What's that number again, Ross? 720-722-1274. Call us, and uh, what you're going to probably end up doing is leaving us voicemail, and uh, we're going to play those voicemails on the podcast if we think they're up to snuff. We are available on Stitcher Radio. Uh, we're available on iTunes, and you can find links to all of the aforementioned stuff at our homepage here, coloradosportsguys.com. So like we always do, before uh, we get into our topics of the day, we like to catch up, don't we, Nate? Yeah, we do. It's always a nice little time to reflect on what's happened in the past week, what we have to look forward to, which is usually 
what nothing i guess <laughs> <laughs> not i mean sports is it's a little slim right now i, I gotta be honest uh, rockies uh you know, you know, like uh, we said last week, and like I'm going to say right now, we usually do a week in review. Yeah. To start the show, just kind of to uh, get everybody up to speed and remind everybody, because I know everybody's already on top of what the Colorado teams are doing. But this week and last week, there's just no reason. The Rockies are, well. Well, the thing that they might do that's the only interesting aspect is they're going to this whole, like, they only had this four-man rotation, so now they're going to maybe pitch everybody all the time. I don't know what exactly it is, but my uncle came up with a theory for the Rockies about uh, five years ago or six years ago, maybe even longer than that, where he wanted the Rockies to just have one pitcher per inning. Every guy, you know, so you pitched essentially nine guys a game, and you just brought out a new guy, you know, you wouldn't have to take the extra time to make the call the bullpens, all that garbage. No, you don't need several days of rest? You don't need several days of rest. You just know I'm the third inning guy, so when third inning starts, you know, I'm on the mound, take my couple practice pitches, get right into it. And I don't know. I, I always kind of thought maybe he was on to something. He's a crazy man, <laughs> but he may have struck gold with that, and the Rockies are sort of implementing it, but they should just go all the way. That's probably uh, the last idea Bob Apodaca had before they fired him. <laughs> well, no, he just got reassigned. He's now like a special assistant to the general manager. You're kidding. No. they. I don't know what he has. I need to he's stop like, just reading headlines he's like, and nude, actually read the article. Like nude pictures to Charlie Monfort. <laughs> I don't know. Cause he, I mean, I think he's been here since, what, 93? Was he with the team originally? Really? I think he was here in 93, if, if not shortly thereafter. Because I think he was here under Don Baylor. He always just looked like a guy who probably shouldn't be coaching anything. Yeah. Just He looked always lost. Kind of like Jeff Francis did all the time. Every time you saw Jeff Francis those first couple of years when he was with the Rockies, you're like, <laughs> is he lost? Yeah. He looks scared and, and confused. And uh, Same with Apodaca. And uh, now, of course, Jeff Francis is back. And now Apodaca is uh, apparently a grilling brats or something Dude, so i'm gonna be at the game friday night and the cool thing that i get to do we have to show up uh 4 45 i think the game's at like 6 10 it's a fireworks game as well it's the fourth of july one uh but 4 45 we're gonna get there we get to be on the field holding i think the giant flag that they're gonna have there out there for fourth of july how'd you manage this i have no idea my uh my stepdad who got us tickets we almost always go to these types of games he just emailed me and said, guess what we're going to be doing? And then they called me and told me about it. And I was like, how do you get to do this? So I don't know if it's because you're he's one of the maybe 100 remaining season ticket holders <laughs> or what the deal is, but it's going to be my first gotta, time down on the grass. I'm gotta do, to they got to do anything to get people to come. Well, I hope you enjoy that. It should I be really fun. Do. That's going to be the most exciting part of the game. And then the fireworks, the three hours in the middle, I don't really know what I'm going to be doing. But well, I'm going to try to avoid your this. your face off. No, I'm gonna to try to avoid this heat at all costs. Oh, tell me about it. I it's making me depressed. Yeah, it's just beating me down. I, I have a, a uh, an issue. Uh, here's the thing. I, I I grew up here, right? Sure. And I always hear this cliche, this saying, and. What when this saying comes up is when people start complaining about the weather, and nine times out of ten you'll run into somebody when you're like, oh gosh, you know, you're just trying to make small talk with them. You're like, oh man, it's cold. Oh man, it's hot. Hot out there. And they're always gonna say, 
Well, you know what they say. You don't like the weather in Colorado. Just wait 15 <laughs> minutes. <laughs> yeah. I like these new oh, voices. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Really? Wait 15 minutes? How about 10 days? Jerk off. Yeah. It's been 10 days. We're setting records of over 100 degrees every single day. I don't complain about the weather. It's beyond my control. I'm sorry. But let me just say this. When they say that we are at 105 degrees, all right, first of all, I want to say, okay, that is take that, that temperature that whenever they say is breaking a record, that, that temperature is taken at the airport. And for some reason, the airport becomes this very special place where no matter what temperature it is anywhere else, it's the only temperature that's important. The only one that makes it into the record books is at the airport. Did we forget that 20 years ago that the airport wasn't out in, you know, out in the middle of nowhere, out in the plains of Colorado, that it used to be basically what we consider Denver proper that is that was at Staple, the Stapleton area. And so when you say that it is, you know, 98 degrees in Stapleton, which is an area that's almost in the city, it's surrounded by asphalt and concrete and buildings. And then you say, well, it's 105 degrees out at DIA in the middle of nowhere amongst the flowing uh, golden uh Barley fields or whatever is out there. Yeah, barley fields. It's it's that's not first of all that the record has probably been broken many, many times since they moved the airport. And now they're counting this as the new. So first of all, the whole record-setting thing is bogus. Okay, that's my first complaint. Because it's hotter. It's, I'm sure it's hotter at Stapleton than it is out there in DIA. Okay, but let's get on with that. We, we can yeah, come to grips with that. Yeah, what are you talking about? The weather? Yeah, I am talking about Lowest the Lowest common denominator? Yeah, I'm, small talk, talk, I'm, small talking, I'm small talking the listeners. Let me move on to something else. Thank God. <laughs> when it's really cold out. In February. Yeah. And they tell you, uh, you know what? It's going to be about, you know, you see Mike Nelson or whoever, Marty Coniglio, Kathy Sabine. Marty still got a job? Oh, yeah, I would assume. Best gig in the world. When they say, all right, today the low temperature is going to be 10 degrees Fahrenheit, and uh, but uh, don't let that fool you because the wind chill is going to put it about negative 5. So bundle up, everybody, and make sure your kids have their scarves and their gloves because it's going to be cold out there and all this <laughs> stuff. And it's like that's a nice thing to say, right? Like, yeah, okay, the ambient temperature is 5 degrees, and the ambient temperature is always taken like in the shade beneath the, beneath the you know, by a building where, where they can get a true you know, temperature gauge right so they're like it's 10 degrees outside or it's 20 degrees out but that wind chill will mess you up because that is the that's gonna what gives you the, the you know the the frostbite on your nose and it's gonna give you the hypothermia if you're listening yeah. out there just feel free to hit fast forward <laughs> no, no, no 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 i'm not done <laughs> but then when Doesn't it's 105 degrees which again is ambient temperature ambient temperature that means it's taken again in the shade behind the building down there, right? And it's like the thermometer reads 105 degrees Fahrenheit. Yet there is no, there's no add-on to that. They're not like, well, watch out for the heat factor. Because I'm walking wave. through a parking lot, right? <laughs> a parking lot. The asphalt is literally sticky. I am walking through a parking lot where my feet are leaving footprints in the asphalt, 
Yes. Are you telling me that asphalt gets soft at 105 degrees? I don't believe it. So why can't they have a heat factor where they say it's 105 degrees outside, but guess what? You live in the city. You live in Denver, and you're surrounded by concrete and bricks and and cars and light rail trains and all this stuff. And so the actual temperature that you're actually feeling, much like the wind chill, is 147 degrees Fahrenheit. Yeah. So watch out. My sister actually told me the term for that. This like the there city is a temperature. Term? There is. I don't know what it is, but I forgot. But there is an actual term for it. Well, use it. Yeah. Why do they just kind of skip over that? Yes. I don't know. Because I was at a wedding on Saturday, outdoor wedding, botanic gardens. Uh, the bridesmaids all had brand new shoes. Of course, you know, you can't wear old shoes ever as a bridesmaid. The uh, the bottom of their shoes like burnt off. Like they had this material and like they all when we got in the limo they're like looking at their shoes and it's all like peeled up and stuff i'm like wow like walking hard huh they're like no this is just from the heat just burned it off yeah it was miserable yeah but it's only it's only 99 degrees it's only 102 degrees i weighed myself why am i hallucinating i weighed myself pre-wedding i was about 214 weighed myself post-wedding 198 that's not true but god that's about how much i sweated it was awful it's ridiculous and the other issue i have I have again this 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 heat makes me irritable. I, I don't complain about the weather much. I'll no. never complain about really cold weather. Why? I brought up the weather on here once because... and you ranted at me for like five minutes. <laughs> well, you know what? This is me talking here. <laughs> we are just set uh, you know records here. Five six days in a row of over hundred degrees. This is when you can bring up the weather. Well, they didn't okay. have thermometers like thousands of years ago, and they didn't no, care no, what the okay, temperature right. was. Yeah, enough with the exaggeration. Not what, a real record. Me here. The other thing. Hot and and just sweaty. As soon as I walk out, right? Yeah. Just sweaty and hot. And, of course, the whole entire state is on fire. Just absolutely devastating fires. I would like to point out here that Colorado Springs is in very dangerous situation right now. It's very scary. And I just want to say that I know we have a lot of listeners down in the Colorado Springs area. I'm sure many of them have been uh, under mandatory evacuation, so I wish you all the best. I really do. So let's just say that. And we're going to put a link up uh, uh, to uh, donate to the Red Cross on our on our website at coloradosportsguys.com. Not like you couldn't find it, but, you know, our podcast here is at the point where now we have to pay, you know, quite a bit of money just to get it out there. And we don't have sponsors and we were going to bring some sponsors on uh, this month, but we're going to hold off on that and just say, listen, go to Red Cross and donate some money, and, uh, and, and it'll get to the right places. But let me continue here. The smoke, right, and the sweatiness. I was going to say, too, the, the Denver Broncos donated a whopping total of $50,000 to the fire rescue efforts. I read that. What the hell? Like we discussed, what Ross. What the hey? $50,000? That's is, the most that they like can a, muster. Is that like a slap in the face to the efforts? <laughs> it's absolutely kinda... a slap in the face. I love the Broncos as much as anybody does. But to like for them to donate $50,000, I mean, I know they don't want to get on this thing where yeah. they have to donate a million dollars. Let me put it in perspective it for you. If 50, it's a 53-man three, roster, right? Is that the NFL roster? 53-man. Each player donates $5,000. That's $265,000. So, come on, $50,000? Yeah. $50,000 is kind of ridiculous. It's a, I, I don't it's even know what that would buy. You know, uh, you know, I don't know. I mean, if if you know what every if every 
you know, Colorado sports guys podcast listener just went to the Red Cross and donated $5. You know, that would mean more to all of us than $50,000 means to the Broncos. Yeah, I'll, that's I'll each, each that. player donated roughly about 950 bucks. If that's I mean that's not how they did it. I think it came from, you know, Pat Bolin who may have fallen on pretty hard times financially himself, but if <laughs> yeah, the team got sure, together, sure you know, a- after all this news comes out about the Broncos donated 50,000, shouldn't the players be like, well, let's actually donate some money to this. Let's all pool 5,000 to 10,000 whatever you're comfortable with and we'll send them a minimum of 265,000. It's ludicrous. And then and when you think about the types of fines that players get, yeah, like you know, fine twenty five thousand or twenty five thousand yeah. dollars, and they donate fifty thousand dollars. It's almost like why even? Why do it? Why bother? <laughs> yeah. you know, just come like, on, Broncos, step up. Bro- seriously, uh, whatever. But uh, it's hot, it's smoky. I'm sweaty. I smell like I've been by a campfire for the last week. And usually, when you combine that bo and that campfire smell, you would expect like a you know, like a. A mountain man type. Yeah. If somebody's hiking through the woods all the time and just living off the land. And it's like, I get the BO and the campfire smell and I'm still fat. It's like, oh. And you're in business casual, I presume. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> Brutal. Two worst words. Let me complain. Let me complain more about the fires when uh, I'm here sitting snugly in an air conditioned, um, you know, uh, high rise in, in Denver. Yeah. I should just lay off it. Yeah. Oh, well. Anyway, what you don't you like do? the weather in Colorado. Just wait five minutes. Wait five minutes. It'll snow any yeah. time. Try waiting five months. That's when these fires are going to be done. And, and I just hope that people. It is. It's a sad thing. Anyway, Timmons, do you have anything to say? No, I don't. That was a uh, good weather talk brought to you by uh, Ross Martin's uh, wanting to be cooler. <laughs> so we're Milk gonna... was a bad choice. <laughs> We were just about uh, ready for that uh, phone call with Duran Hill. Yeah, so let's do that. Let's uh, take a quick uh, break here, and we're going to talk to Duran Hill, who is uh, he is uh, going to be uh, having a fight night at the Exto Event Center on July 13th. Friday night. Friday the 13th. So uh, we're going to uh, talk to him right when we come back after this. From Sting Like a Bee Entertainment, we have Duran Hill on the line right now. Duran Hill can be found at Twitter at Duran Hill. That's D-U-R-A-N-H-I-L-L. Boxing uh, is a very international sport. And, you know, so there's a lot of, you know, we get people all over the world listening. And uh, it's fun to have a cool event come into Denver like this. But before we get into the specifics of that, Duran, we want to find out a little bit about your journey. You know, how did uh, you get to become – are you a boxing promoter? I'm a boxing promoter as well as a boxer. As well as a boxer. Okay. So you yeah. negotiate contracts and you'll beat people up who don't honor them. Right. Well, not only that, I, I, I might I might have to get after them if I can't get my price. Oh, there you go. There you go. Very good. So, so yeah, so um, uh, you're promoting a, an event here in Denver uh, here just now. I mean, it feels like it, it's kind of crazy how it's, it's the end of June, so this is just about two weeks away. But tell us a little bit. How did you get into uh, this line of work? And uh, tell us a little bit. Where are you from, Duran? I was born and raised in Denver, Colorado. 
Um, my dad was a professional fighter, as well as my uncle, Adrian Cooper, who was a professional fighter. Um, and I just uh, used to watch them spar and go to the gym. And uh, it was such a big thing to have at that time in the 70s. It was a wide world of sports on, and we would all gather in front of the TV and watch the big-time fights, and uh, I would just uh, go crazy for it. That's awesome. So it's in your blood. That's evident. And uh, Well, and not only that, uh, my dad, because he was a pre- professional fighter also, he was friends with Roberto Duran, which is how I got my name, uh, Duran. Um, uh, at that time, there was only two names in boxing. There was Roberto Duran and Muhammad Ali. And uh, uh, it just so happened that Roberto Duran was his, a friend of his and uh, one of his favorite fighters. So it's, uh, I, I guess I was predestined. That's pretty awesome, Roberto Duran, you know, legendary fighter. Another legend that, uh, you know, used to be found around the Colorado streets as well, driving around in his uh, big Cadillac was Sonny Liston. I don't know yep, if you've ever Sonny Liston. The famous uh, fighter. Sonny Liston, yeah, with uh, Muhammad Ali. But uh, Sonny Liston, I, my dad used to tell me stories about how Muhammad Ali would come to town in his bus and just harass. Uh, Sonny listening to no end, and uh, I just I can remember that like it was five minutes ago. It was hilarious. That's great. So Duran, how did you go from the fight, like being a fighter yourself, to crossing over into the promotion side of it? Good question. Um, I literally was hit by an RTD bus. <laughs> I was. <laughs> Haven't we all? I was, almost. <laughs> I was coming. I was uh, finishing up a uh, training. Uh, uh, exercises with another teammate, and uh, uh, unfortunately, uh, we got in his car. He wasn't the best of drivers. He ran a light, and we got T-boned by an RTD bus, and uh, it put me out of commission for some time. And uh, it just so happened I was in college at the time for business, and um, it, it, I think it was just uh, meant to be because I wanted to be like Sugar Ray Leonard. And uh, anybody who knows his story knows that he promoted himself, he managed himself, and he was the golden boy before the golden boy. So I wanted to pattern myself after him. I wanted to call my own shots, call my, do my own thing, even if it meant I had to make my own fight. And uh, that's where Sting Like a Bee came from. And that's kind of the key, isn't it, is to having somebody that you can trust as a fighter having somebody on the business side that you can put your trust in, like we see with you know Oscar De La Hoya, who just mentioned the Golden Boy, with Golden Boy Productions or promotions. So that's kind of what you're, what you're doing here in Denver. Is that right? Exactly right. And it's funny because I knew Oscar. We're all about the same age. We all came up in the same era. I mean, I'm, I'm 40 years old. Oscar is about that age. And uh, – so when I was coming up, it was about the same time as him. So uh, when he was going to the Olympics, uh, there was a big spotlight on him. And I just wanted to I, – I, I was seeing how the big-time guys were doing it. And although I didn't have, had nowhere near the skill he had, I, I, I felt like I was every bit as smart as he was. So um, that's part of boxing, being smart. And I wanted to – like I said, I wanted to call my own shot. All right. So we, before we get into the specifics about the event that you're – uh, going to have on July 13th at the Exto Event Center. Tell us a little bit about like, your opinion on the state of boxing today. Uh, you know, a little bit about, I think everybody's going to ask this question. Mike Tyson was asked this on, pardon the interruption, on ESPN the other day. Where does the MMA come into this? There's, you know, that whole thing of 
talent is going to follow the money and people are starting to maybe say that the money's going to MMA, but we still see these gigantic purses in boxing of Floyd Mayweather pulling in $40 million a fight. A fight. Well, I look at it. There's, there's, I, I, I want to answer your question with a question. Um, when you have guys who like to fight, and that's all they, they train for all their uh, all day, every day. They want to fight. Ask yourself, why don't you see more professional boxers? I'm not talking about the the top of the line boxers like the Mayweather's and the and the Pacquiao's. I'm talking your mid levels, your B class fighters, C class fighters. Why don't you see them in MMA? If uh, if it's uh, there's a reason you MMA does not want professional boxers in MMA because. Most people don't recognize boxing as a martial arts, but it really is. And as a martial arts, there's not another martial arts that can compete with us as far as striking, hand speed, combinations. Their only chance is to get a boxer to the ground. And I think uh, once you start seeing boxers filter into MMA, I think it'll lose a lot of its luster. That's just my opinion, but I work, I, I train in several gyms. And I see what boxers do to these MMA guys, and uh, I think if uh, it was ever really broadcast that way, I think uh, uh, MMA would take a big step back. So do we still see a lot of a lot of the youth getting involved with boxing as well? Is there still a lot of kids going to these gyms and training? Is the future of boxing oh a bright one? Oh my gosh, I I think uh, boxing is alive and well. It'll be here a thousand years from now. And uh, just like all things, there. I mean, uh, people get this shiny new toy and they play with it for a while, but after a while they want to go back to the uh, $6 million man doll or the G.I. Joe or whatever. It never goes away. Now, I, you know, one of, boxing has a little bit of, a, and not to make a pun, but a little bit of a black eye in that when you see some of his, history has taught us that um, there's there's – People who think the boxing isn't really, especially at its highest level, like it's on the up and up. Like it uh, might be not really when you see a judgment or, or a fight that doesn't go to a knockout that the decision isn't really like it's almost like it's fixed. And we've seen that recently in some big fights. Um, but, you know, but you see that in all sports. I mean, how many times after a basketball game do you see the, the players or the coach complaining about the rest? Or how many times uh, do you see uh, – these phantom calls from these referees or judges in one sport or another. I mean, that's just part of the game. You're going to have that no matter what because uh, you're going to have somebody that wins and you're going to have somebody that loses. And as long as you have that, you're going to have that uh, situation where people think it's fixed. Now, is boxing fixed? I would have to say yes and no. I mean, no. there's no denying that boxing – there's crookedness in boxing, but like I said, it's no different than any other sport. I can tell you that there's basketball, high school basketball games that are probably fixed, and there are uh, women's tennis that, I mean, they have their favorites, and they these marketing machines get behind these players, and they're going to do anything they can to hype, hype those individuals at all costs. Now, I'm not sure that, you know, defending – Boxing is being fixed by saying other sports is being fixed is um, a very good way to defend it. But that being well, said, no, I'm just saying I'm just saying that it, I don't think it's any more fixed or or, or and those are your words. I don't think it's, I, I had plenty of fights and I went in there. I thought I did my best and 
there were times that I won a fight that I thought was iffy, and there were times that I lost a fight that was iffy, but I wouldn't necessarily think it was fixed. Well, there's always one way to decide who the winner is in boxing, right? Just knock the other guy out, and you don't even have to worry about it. And and, and that's what we teach our guys. We teach our guys to punch through people, not punch at them. Right. So tell us a little bit about um, the event coming up on the 13th. Obviously, you know, uh, Exto Event Center is a great venue. Um, uh, It's a place that – you know, not a lot of people have been to, yet there's always a lot of cool stuff going going on there. It's kind of like a hidden gem up in, uh, in Denver. So tell us a little bit about the actual event and uh, what people can expect if they show up. Well, uh, speaking of the Expo venue, when, uh, like you said, it's a hidden gem. And the second I laid eyes on the place, I fell in love with it. I wanted to lock it up. I didn't want any other promoters or anybody else to even know about it. But... Uh, uh, we've got seven excellent fights that night featuring Chris, the future green, against Joey the Beast Montoya. They're fighting for my title, the Sting Like a Bee heavyweight title. Um, we've got Colorado's very own 10-time national champion, Ricky Lopez. He's going to be fighting. Uh, he's an up-and-coming prospect. Uh, everybody has their eyes on him. Uh, he fought for one time for Golden Boy and uh, other big-time uh uh, promotion outfits, and uh, he's really wanting to put Colorado on the map. We also have uh, John Franklin, who's a highly decorated U.S. Army uh, uh, member who's fighting on this card. He's an excellent fighter. I, I think uh, when I say world-class boxing at the Exdale Event Center, that's exactly what I mean. It, it, it's going to be some of the best fights you've seen live in Colorado in, in some time. How do Since people? Stevie Johnston. How do people uh, get tickets? They can call me, Duran Hill, at 303-434-2836, or they can go on my website at www.slabeinc.com. That's www.slabeinc.com. We'll put your uh, the flyer that you have for this event. We'll go ahead and put that up on our website as well for our listeners out there to uh, be sure to find that. Excellent. That's, that's so awesome. So tell us a little bit more about this John Franklin, uh, U.S. Army. That sounds pretty intriguing right there. Yeah, he's a, like I said, he's a highly decorated uh, baby face killer, just like Ricky Lopez. He, he looks like uh, uh, a 16-year-old boy, but uh, I wouldn't try him if I were you. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I wouldn't try him. He had 120 wins as an amateur against 15 losses. And he's undefeated as a pro, so uh, he's looking to put on a show. I talked to him, uh, really, really, I talked to him just about every day this week, and he said, look, man, I'm so excited. He's uh, uh, predicting that the uh, uh, Olympic boxing team will be in his corner uh, at the fight, uh, so that's exciting. He has the the uh, United States Army in his corner, so that's exciting, and uh, I, I think uh, he's a man to look out for. So you also mentioned uh, mentioned there a little bit Stevie Johnson, of course, the, uh, the famous, probably one of the most famous fighters out of Colorado in some time. Which one of these guys can we expect maybe to burst onto the national scene at some point? I think both these guys. I think both Ricky Lopez and and John Franklin. They both have that kind of talent, and they both have that type of uh, drive. I can tell you, I I bet I could call John. 
uh, his uh, gym right now, and he's still in the gym. He's, I could call at 6 o'clock in the morning, and he's still in the gym. And uh, Ricky Lopez is such a nut about his, his career that he bought his own gym and started his own gym, and he, he basically lives there, uh, strictly boxing. So uh, these guys are serious, uh, and uh, like I said, they're definitely guys to keep an eye out for. Awesome. I, I'm so I, I'm so motivated by these guys. I'm I'm a 40 year old man, and I'm I say you know what I I, I think I still got it. <laughs> I still got it because I'm a I'm a former Colorado State champion myself. So uh, I'm no slouch, but I I can't hold a candle to these to these guys. They it it wouldn't be fair. Nice. And I I I like looking pretty. So <laughs> <laughs> nice, man. Well, I'll tell you, man. You know we're a Colorado centric you know, show here, you know, we're a grassroots show. We're born from the internet and from the, the demand that has come from a kind of lack of, um, you know, maybe this type of content on uh, some of the more mainstream and, uh, you know, more uh, maybe terrestrial radio or maybe from your normal stations. And, and this, what you're doing here sounds like this is kind of the same type of thing. I mean, this is a grassroots type of uh, production here. Are these Are these guys all local uh, Denver guys? Well, I know that, John is he's on one of the bases is one of the I don't know if it's Peterson or I forget what base he's on right now and or actually I think he's in the spring so he might be at the Olympic Training Center training and then Ricky like I said he owns his own gym strictly boxing uh, in Brighton Colorado so I know for a fact he's at the gym right now Mm-hmm. Right, right this second. So, so that's a good uh, story. I mean, it, hearing about guys, you know, Ricky out in Brighton, John uh, Franklin, uh, based somewhere around Denver here at, at one of the many military bases we have. We know we get a lot. You know, I talked about some of the people that listen around the world to our show. A lot of these people are military type guys who are, you know, are based in, uh, you know, the Middle East or Afghanistan. We have people that listen to the show in Turkey and all over the world. And uh, so they're going to be very excited to hear about some of this stuff. Uh, let me ask you. Know, you-, when you, you know, when you see a guy like John Franklin uh, prepare and, and handle his business and handle his job, I, it makes me feel even more safe knowing that we got guys like this who take, mm-hmm. take this sort of thing serious. And, uh, you know, like I said, it's a fight to get the kid out of the gym. And, uh, if uh, if all our service members are like that, uh, we're uh, all I can say is uh, all these other guys in the world, all these bad actors, they need to watch out. <laughs> That's a very very good segue to what I was going to ask you. Um, you know, we we love talking about sports here, but we almost love movies more. So let me ask you, Duran, what is uh, your favorite boxing movie of all time? Uh, I don't have. I would have to say the greatest with Muhammad Ali, but. They've, they've got a couple recently and within the last five years that I like very much. Uh, Clint Eastwood came out with Million Dollar Baby. I love that show with Hillary Swank and Clint Eastwood. That was an excellent movie. Uh, like I said, the greatest with Muhammad Ali. And um, what would um, you think of uh, the Will Smith movie, Ali? I, li- I liked it. I, I liked that, but it it didn't affect me the way I thought because I know so much about Muhammad Ali anyway so I was kind of comparing what I knew versus what they were trying to tell me the Muhammad Ali was about so there was that factor there but I did like that movie very much very good um hey Duran where did you go to high school Thomas Jefferson High School all right TJ that's, that's awesome man <laughs> 
Well, uh, listen, so uh, Duran, you can be found on Twitter at Duran Hill, D-U-R-A-N-H-I-L-L. Uh, your website, uh, did you say it's a www.slabeinc, of course, and that's Sting Like a Bee Entertainment. Yeah. I, I think uh, that uh, name is uh, yeah, absolutely self-explanatory. And, uh, yeah. Well, you'd be surprised because I, I went to make a deposit at my bank uh, about two months ago, and the teller was a little old lady, and she says, "What are, are you into, honey?" <laughs> and I was just, <laughs> I said, "No, no, ma'am, I'm a, a boxing promoter." And she was just like, "Oh, well, a name like that makes it seem like you're into honey." And I was like, "Oh, I'll, I'll have to work on that." <laughs> she had to be around during Ali's time too. Was she <laughs> stuck in a cave? You would have thought. You would have thought. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Duran, thanks so much. Um, uh, how much are tickets uh, to you know if people go to uh, buy one of these? Okay, the the VIP front row seats, uh, which consists of the first three rows, are sixty five dollars. The floor seats, which uh, consists of the next uh, ten rows, I believe, are fifty dollars. And the general admission seats, uh, which consists of all remaining rows and standing room, are thirty five dollars. 35. For seven fights on awesome. July 13th at the Exto Event Center. Very nice. Yes. So uh, we'll be sure to see you out there. Uh, do you have something else to add there? No, I hope you guys can make it down. I uh, uh, I know you guys will love it, and uh, I hope I am invited back for my next show. I'm uh, planning a MMA show in September. Awesome. Did you say MMA? I, hey, I do it all. <laughs> awesome. I, 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 I have, a, I, I have a, a brown belt in judo. I'm I, uh, a champion amateur boxer. Uh, really, I, I have a pro style that I use in boxing. And between that with a little bit of wrestling, I, I, I get down. So, <laughs> so when we bring you back to promote the MMA show, you're going to tell us, of course, why that's going to take over and how boxing is the ancient sport, right? <laughs> <laughs> Well, I, I, I let me let me can I can I quote the great Bruce Lee? Of course, Bruce Lee. Okay, Bruce Lee yeah. said. Oh, go ahead. <laughs> Bruce Lee said that you can take a kung fu man of twenty years experience and take a boxer of six months, and the six and the boxer will beat the the twenty year uh, experienced kung fu man. So I, I I don't think I need to say anything else. Uh, I don't think you do. There's enough. Yeah. Quoting Bruce Lee, I think that says it all. Duran, thank you so yeah. much for calling in. Before your next show, we got to get you actually into the studio and uh, just uh, do the whole show with us because you sound like an interesting guy and a fun guy. So uh, let's make that happen. Tell huh? me when and yeah, tell me when and where. I'll bring pizza. You guys bring the drinks and let's do it. <laughs> Sounds good, man. All right, thanks, Duran. Thanks so much. Okay, guys. Thank you. Take care. You guys have a good night. All right. All right, Duran Hill. Uh, that, that was interesting. I like how he flip-flopped on that. That's awesome. I mean, that, that's what the promoter is supposed to do, though. He's supposed to promote his events, and, you know, you can't, you can't hate when you're in the, the business side of it. The that's, fighters, they can defend it, but the promoter's got to be looking out for what's best for everybody. That's right. So let's take uh, a quick break, and as promised, we're going to have uh, uh, Kalen Dermo from uh, Round Ball Mining Company on the phone here right after a quick little break. Joining us now from Round Ball Mining Company, Kalen Dermo. 
Kalen, how you doing, man? Thanks for being on. Hey, thanks for having me on. How are you guys doing? Doing quite well on this uh, hot, fiery Wednesday. Fiery indeed. How's the uh, smoke up in your part of the country up there? We're doing good, man. We're just uh, downtown Denver, so we're uh, we're out of it all at the moment. Where are you, Kalen? I'm in uh, southwest Colorado, uh, actually on a farm right now, and I'm out of the smoke too, so that's good. But my heart goes out to all those people up there uh, dealing with that fire. That's got to be tough. Oh, man, scary, scary stuff. Yeah, rough stuff. But So, Kalen, you are one of the main contributors at Round Ball Mining Company, along with uh, the site creator, Jeremy Wagner, and, of course, Charlie Yao as well. How are you feeling about uh, this draft that's going to unfold tomorrow night for our Denver Nuggets? Uh, I'm feeling good, you know. Like, I'm, I'm really excited. Um, we heard the trade rumors today with Wilson Chandler and, then uh, not too long ago, I got home and checked my computer, and we are hearing stuff about Bradley Beal. So, I mean, yeah, I'm just really excited. I love trades. I love this part of uh, this time of the year. And uh, uh, just, yeah, just excited to it's see what It's got to be better tomorrow. than the regular season, right? Well, uh, yeah, I mean, usually the postseason is a lot better than that. Uh, this past year was pretty good in the postseason, so I don't know. Well, I don't know. I mean, this year uh, the off season has more hope involved than the regular season, doesn't it, with the Nuggets? Um, well, I don't know. Why do you say that? Well, I mean, it wasn't a great season. Uh, you know, we we had some disappointments this year. Um, are you uh, are you like Nate, uh, just uh, always positive all the time with regards to the Nuggets play and, and the coaching and everything? No, definitely not. I'm absolutely not that way. But I think that we had a good year um, in terms of, you know, we lost Melo. It was tough last year. And uh, I think easily the Nuggets could have gone down the crapper and gone totally the other way. But, thank, you know, thanks to Masai, we, we didn't. And, yeah, it was like it wasn't a great year, but at least we won games. The middle, the middle stretch of the season sucked. I'll, I'll give you that. That was horrible. But uh, overall, I think, you know, we gave the Lakers a run for their money in the postseason, which was really nice to see. And we saw some progress from, like, you know, huge progress from uh, Afualo and Ty and even Fareed and uh, Gallo and um, McGee. So, I mean, there's definitely hope for the future. So See, the problem with Ross, Kalen, is he's one of those casual fans that kind of tunes in and out to, you know, what his ESPN ticker is telling him oh, what's going on. That's not fair. <laughs> that's, that's not so, fair. You know I don't watch ESPN. Yeah, I no, know that. No, that's, that's exactly how I am with the Rockies, so I can, I can understand. And I'm uh, actually not tuning in to anything Rockies-related this year. So, yeah, yeah I'm totally fair-weather in that sense, too, for some – for some things, not the Nuggets, though. So if we look back at kind of the, the recent history with Masai Ujiri running things for the Nuggets, I mean, we see the the trade of Carmelo. Obviously, there's speculation there just because of the situation. But after that, things kind of tighten up around Denver. You don't hear anything last year about this same time when the Nuggets made that deal and sent Ray Felton out of town. There was barely a, not a peep about it before it went down. And then... The Nene trade during the season, again, that was a a very right at the last minute of the trade deadline. That thing goes down, and you know, all of a sudden, like Nuggets Nation's heads kind of explode because we just didn't know. You don't know when these moves are happening. 
So how much how much weight do you put into the rumors that we heard today with Golden State and Wilson Chandler? Do you think that was kind of a because now later in the day we've kind of heard that you know there is no deal on the table as far as Golden State and Denver supposedly. So do you think this was something that maybe came out of the Warriors camp, or do you think this might have been something the Nuggets were trying to get put out there because it, it's out there for a reason, right? Yeah, no, I definitely think that they were discussing some kind of deal. Like you don't just throw, you know, you don't just throw a rumor out there and just say, you know, if, it, if there wasn't some bit of truth to it. So I think there was. They were talking, but I, I think what happened probably was Golden State realized, look, we can probably get a lot more than Wilson Chandler and I mean, whatever the Nuggets are going to offer. I think the Nuggets probably weren't willing to give up as much as they wanted at the end of the day. And I, I do think the Nuggets are active. I think, you know, if there's anything we've learned since Masai took over, it's that the Nuggets are always looking to make moves. They're always looking to improve. And uh, I just I, I think they probably called Golden State and started talking, and somewhere along the lines that, that leaked out to the public. But, you know, we know with deals, just like you mentioned, uh, especially with Masai, there's it's so quiet, and then all of a sudden, boom, Nene gets traded. I mean, that that was like that was I was shocked when I heard Nene got traded. So I think you know, the Nuggets Masai likes to keep things under wraps. We heard about that today for whatever reason, but I really wouldn't be surprised if something happened tomorrow, something significant, because I really think this draft is the opportunity to capitalize on some really good talent. So what do you make of uh, this? And I think the Nuggets. What do you make of this? Go uh, ahead. What do you make of Bradley Beal, the, the shooting guard out of Florida, who's you know suddenly being lauded as perhaps the number two pick in this draft? What do you make of his comments today saying that you know he spoke with Oklahoma City and maybe they're trying to trade up to get him? And then he also brings the Nuggets into this situation as well and says that you know perhaps the Nuggets – he says the Nuggets are another team that's trying to trade up to get him. What do you make of this? What do you? This is this isn't you know just a, a ESPN reporter with a source. This is a player leaking this information. What do you make of Bradley Beal's comments today? Yeah, it's just more corroboration of the fact that the Nuggets are looking to do something. You know, Bradley Beal knows it. Who knows how many other players have talked to you know the Nuggets front office and they've said, yeah, look, we'd like you. We might be moving to will up to get moving, uh, willing to move up to get you. Um, but I, I, I think the thing that kind of makes me wonder a little bit is what is Oklahoma city going to give up to get him? Are they going to give up James Harden? Uh, I mean, uh, what pieces do they have to offer in a trade? And conversely with the nuggets, I mean, the Bobcats are going to have to, they're going to want to get, you know, a ransom for him. They're get, I'm thinking a swallow, um, maybe Wilson Chandler, the 20th pick, and something, you know, some other assets just to trade up for number two. And you have to ask yourself, is Bradley Beal the type of guy that's worth that? Is he going to come in and and uh, be the, the savior we're all looking for to, like, carry us through the postseason? I, I don't know. And that's something Masai's obviously going to have to weigh. You know, a lot of people, too, probably think, you know, teams are probably going to be lining up, licking their chops to trade with the Charlotte Bobcats because Michael Jordan's running the show. But... Michael Jordan turned all those responsibilities over to the new GM there, who I believe is Rich Chow, who is uh, you know, with ESPN, formerly the GM with uh, Portland as well. What do you make of – I mean, you're probably out of, the, out of the Nuggets writers. I'm including the Denver Post guys here. I'm including anybody that, that covers the team. You probably know more about these college players than probably anybody. What do you make of Bradley Beal 
is like you were just kind of mentioning, is he the guy that could carry you? What's his game about? And should we believe that the Nuggets, if they traded to seven, could get him, or would they have to go to two to get him? No, no, they'd have to go to two to get Bradley Beal. He's he's not going to drop. He would, if the uh, Bobcats don't take him, then the Wizards, I would think, definitely would. I think I read an article the other day that said 70% of uh, NBA GMs think he's a, he's, he is the second-best player in the draft. So, And I, I like him. I really do like him. I, I think his comparisons to Ray Allison are definitely apt. I think that he's just a really good all-around player. He's a good defender. He can rebound. Uh, he can score. He can light it up from outside. I, I compared him on Twitter today. So he's like a re- he's like a lot better version of uh, Aaron Aflalo, a more athletic version. Is he bigger uh, than Aaron Aflalo? I mean, he's listed at no. six foot four, and that that always scares me about a shooting guard. I feel like Aflalo is almost on the smallest side for a shooting guard, if not just very average. I would agree. Aflalo is what like six five. I don't think you really want to go much. The thing is, also with a flaw, is he's uh, he's not that athletic, so he needs every bit of height he can get. Like guys like Dwayne Wade, who are six four, they can be you know that height and play shooting guard because they're so quick. And that's not the case with a flaw. Beal is not like a blow you you know he's not a blow you away athlete, but he is athletic, and I think he's he's a little bit underrated in that regard. Um, but yeah, I, I think he's definitely the number. I think he, at this point he is the second-best player in the draft, in my opinion. But why would he – I mean, if you were, you know, Beal, would you want to come play for the Nuggets? Um, I freaking – I would love to play for the Nuggets over Charlotte, that's for sure. <laughs> all right. um, so is that why he's uh, making these comments? Is this kind of like, all right, listen, Oklahoma City, you're in the same conference as the Nuggets. Let me make some comments and say, hey, you know, I'm, I, you know, maybe the Nuggets. No, maybe no. Working there something. Is there some political uh, maneuvering going on? There always is. Like, you always have to account for that. But, honestly, I just really think you have two great GMs in Masai Ujiri and uh, um, Presti for Oklahoma City that just see a guy that they like. And for me, that's, that's saying a lot. If both of these guys like Bradley Beal, then that tells me, okay, Bradley Beal is the real deal, okay, because you have two really good GMs who like him. Um, but I, really, that's, I think that's just what it is. I just think both of them have like him. And I think the Nuggets, like I said, have, have the ammunition to move up. I don't know how Oklahoma City is going to do it, you know. So. so which guy do you like if, if Denver is able to move up into the lottery? Let's say they're able to to get in the top ten so they kind of have uh, more of a choice of guys. Who do you see fitting best for this team? I know that we've, you know, you've been active on Twitter talking about uh, a guy that you like. And, you know, there's Terrence Ross's name has bantered about, Damian Lillard, maybe Austin Rivers, Harrison Barnes possibly. Who do you see in the lottery fitting in with this Nuggets team? Honestly, I like Jeremy Lamb. I'm a I'm a Jeremy Lamb guy. I think that he he gets like this really weird like bad rap like, "Oh, he just looks so calm out there like he doesn't care." Like the dude averaged almost 19 points per game in the Big East. He won a national championship. A lot of the times when uh Kimba Walker, you know, was struggling or when they were doubling him up, Jeremy Lamb was the guy carrying them through that uh, a couple games in their you know run to the national title. So like 
I, I just like his game. I really think he's got that smooth, athletic, can you know score from anywhere type game that just translates great to the translates great to the NBA. So he would be a guy I would watch. The other one I think a real I think like you said Terrence Ross. The Nuggets like Terrence Ross. Like they wouldn't bring him in very first to work out for them if they didn't like him. You know what I mean? So I think he would be a guy if they did trade in the top ten. He would be a guy to watch for in my in my opinion. But yeah, I, I like I also like Waiters and I like Damian Lillard too. Uh, the one guy that scares the living crap out of me is Andre Drummond. I mean, he you know he'd be the type of guy that could come in and you know if he does turn out if he does pan out, then great you have a, a franchise center who you know will be there forever. Okay, what if he doesn't pan out? Then you passed on Waiters, uh, Lillard, you know, potentially Lamb. That, that, that's so that's one guy that scares the crap out of me too. So that's kind of our, our the take in the lottery situation. It's kind of funny you mentioned Jeremy Lamb. It almost seems like I mean he went to you know Connecticut. He's a, a big time guy, like you said, won a national championship. He's not really being talked about that much, even though he's still a lottery pick. It's almost kind of like he's a a sleeper lottery pick, if that's even a term. I mean, kind of like we saw Paul Pierce when he came out from a big time program, Kansas. He slid in the draft quite a bit. The Nuggets famously passed on him for his teammate Rafe LaFrance. Great pick there at number three. <laughs> So, I mean, Jeremy Lamb's interesting. Let's say the Nuggets don't make any trades. They're unable to get a deal. Uh, You know, maybe Oklahoma City sweeps in and sweetens the pot for Charlotte. Denver has to stay at 20. Do you think Denver – who do you see them taking there? I know we both kind of have been looking at Andrew Nicholson. Yeah, well, Nicholson's a guy I obviously love. That's – you you like him too? I think a lot of people in Denver are on board with him. I gotta but, give you um, credit though, because you did originally. I didn't really know too much about him, and you talked me into him with your write up on him. Well, thank you. Uh, I, I I see it's he's just. I think when I'm looking at players and I'm looking for guys that that interest me, he's just he was just a guy that I just said, okay, this guy's really interesting. Like you you go through all these players, and a lot of these guys are like, okay, well, there's a wallflower, there's a wallflower. And for me, he just popped out. And I really think unique guys like him do well in the NBA. The thing is, I don't know who the nut. Like last year, it was Kenneth Fareed. Everybody wanted Kenneth Fareed. We all wanted Kenneth Fareed. The Nuggets wanted Kenneth Fareed. It was like it was so clear to see. This year, I have no idea. I just, I just absolutely have no clues. The Nuggets aren't, you know, divulging information about it. Like we, I think they definitely like. Uh, John Jenkins, but if you took him at twenty, that that would be a little bit of a reach. You you would you would need to trade back at least five picks if you if you really wanted to select him. So I like Nicholson. I like Royce White. I want to ask you: Do you put any uh, stock in? You know, I've heard some some criticism of Nicholson being, well, he's got slender shoulders, so he may not really grow into his body and become this big monster. You don't really see too many guys change body-wise at the NBA level and unless they just get very fat, you know, you, the Oliver Millers of the world. You don't you don't see too many guys change physically. And I remember a criticism I heard of Ty Lawson when he was drafted was, well, he has really small hands, so he's probably going to have a lot of turnovers. And it's like, this guy played at North Carolina on a championship team. Like, he can play basketball. <laughs> Do you put anything into these, these weird physical quirks, or is that just too much – too much no, analysis. That's, that's too much for me. Like, oh, the guy's got big eyes. Like, I don't know. What what does that mean? He has – if a guy can play, he can play. You know, like, I, I don't read into that stuff. Um, 
But as far as Nicholson goes, I think the biggest concern with him is, well, he's, he's skinny, and he's not, like, a great athlete. But if you look at his body, the guy's, like, a freak of nature. He has size 18 shoes. He has the biggest hands in the draft. Uh, he has, a like, I think, 7-4 reach. And he still has a, you know, 30-plus-inch vertical. So it's not like he's, you know, like – Eddie Curry out there. The guy the guy is and he blocked I think what above two shots per game last year. So I, I, I think that's just reading a little more into it and like you talk about that, well then you have to talk about Jared Sollinger. You know, the, that's the guy who's he's dropping in the draft, I think a little bit obviously because of the injury, but because yeah, he's look at his body. The, the, that's just not an NBA body. But but the thing is those are stigmas that have continued continuously been shattered time and time again people say well his body just that's not going to work in the nba but like i said if you can play you can play and i think that's just really the bottom line with the nba my question is and i I see this a lot and it seems to be kind of the way it's gone over the you know the past season especially since carmel anthony uh, left the nuggets is that a lot of nuggets fans and a lot of nuggets uh, pundits like uh, like you and and Timmons here. You guys talk about talent that can come in and guys that you, excite you. And and last season we had what well, you know I would consider one of the most exciting uh, you know squads that we've had in a while just because of their youth and their energy and their ability to play. But I never hear anybody say you know you know who's going to be the leader. Who's going to be the the face of this team? And at the beginning of the season, I remember talking to Timmons on this podcast about, well, maybe Nene is going to be that, you know, and and who's going to do that? And, and is Ty Lawson going to be that? And, and and so I never I never see that. Who's going to be the guy who is the face of this team? Who you know? And, and this is not going to come from the draft, I would assume. I mean, LeBron James gets his first championship seven years in, and uh, and he was been one of the top five players in the league ever since. So is this leader of this team going to come from who we have now, knowing that it's not going to come from the draft? Um, no, I, I don't think so. I don't – like, I agree. I don't look at this team and say, wow, like, that guy's going to just carry us to a title. You know, I, that guy's going to step in when every – you know, when the season's going bad and, and he's going to, you know, take a stand and turn things around. But – I disagree. I think that's where you have to find those players is in the draft. And I think that's why the Nuggets are trying to move up because they know that that player isn't on the roster. So they're, how else you, you, the only other way you can obtain them is in free agency. But let's be honest. Free, Denver is not uh, Miami. Denver is not L.A. People don't want to go to Denver. So I think actually the draft is probably the only place that you're going to find those types of players. Uh, and I think that's, that's why you're hearing the Bradley Beal rumors because – He's the type of guy that you might be – he might be – he's the face of the franchise guy. Like him, you know, possibly Jeremy Lamb, other guys. But Bradley Beal, I think, more than anybody that, that we've heard associated with the Nuggets in, in the last 24 hours. So should Nuggets fans expect this to be a complete start over, knowing that Bradley Beal's going to need four or five seasons to – become the type of mental leader that he needs to be in order to lead our team past the first couple rounds and into the finals finally, which is what every Nuggets fan wants to see is the Nuggets in the finals. Or is that just 
out of the question. You know, Nuggets are never going to be that type of team. They're just going to be competitive, and that's all we hope to expect. Yeah, if you if you really want my honest opinion, I think Nuggets fans should probably come to the grips, and I probably have already, that this team is not winning a title as currently constructed, and it's probably not winning a title within or even contending either this year, probably not next year, and maybe the year after that, depending on what type of moves the team makes. Do you think uh, that you 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 somehow have to find a guy? You have to get lucky and find somebody like like Tim Duncan, you know, Kobe Bryant, of course, Michael Jordan, even LeBron James this year. Somebody that just Kevin Garnett. You just think of these the big time stars are just these guys that have almost this like serial killer mentality, you know. But it's focused on basketball, and it it doesn't totally feel like the Nuggets have somebody like that. You know, there, there's hopes of Daniil Gallinari being that guy, but he spends his summers in Italy. He comes back here for training camp in September or October, whenever that starts. And it's like, don't you need somebody that's like here, like with his teammates, like willing to basically kill himself on the court to win a title? Yeah. And here, here's the thing though. Look at all those players you mentioned. They all have a killer instinct, but guess what? They're all incredibly talented, the best players that have ever played the game. It, it, like, that killer instinct goes hand-in-hand hand with being, like, like the best player. Like, that's why they're so good. And, yeah, the Nuggets just don't have that type of talent. Here's what, here's what I would say. Like, you look at the Nuggets, they have really good starters at every position. If you took LeBron James and you put him on the Nuggets, like, subtract Danilo Gallinari and put Le- LeBron James, they're an instant title contender – and I would say, uh, you know, it really would be a toss-up depending on how good LeBron James uh, played. If we met Oklahoma, if the Nuggets met Oklahoma City, like, I think the Nuggets have that much talent. And they have so much depth, too. They don't, like, Oklahoma City has good players. They have good role players. But not like the Nuggets. Like, the Nuggets have really good role players. So that's the thing, is what they're missing is that one guy. Like, Nobody on the roster is going to be that guy. So, so you have to find him somehow. And like I was saying, the draft, I think, is the way the, the only way the Nuggets feel they can do it. They, I don't feel like they're not going to bring Darren Williams or Dwight Howard here in free agency. The only way you do it, you, you look at Daryl Morey, the general manager of the Rockets right now. That's exactly what he's trying to do. He knows that his uh, city is not a free, a free agent, like, you know, highly guarded destination. So what's he doing? He's doing everything he possibly can to get all the leverage he can to get Dwight Howard there for, what, half a season and then hopefully convince Darren Williams. Like, because that's the only way these smart, small market teams can compete. It's either that or suck in the draft and get, you know, for five years and get Kevin Durant and, you know, Russell Westbrook and James Harden. So. And I kind of see with the Nuggets, too. I'm, I'm, I'm thinking that, you know, I was – if they do make a deal tomorrow and they trade into the top five, then they do think that they're finding a franchise player. And I think, you know, they'll give up whatever they have to give up to take that shot. And it's going to be that home run swing. And it doesn't really matter if it's a, you know, if it's a swing and a miss, so what they took a shot at it. If they get into the top five, don't you, don't you think that that's the nuggets telling the franchise, like we're going for it. Like this is or telling the fan base, like, this is our attempt at trying to trying to do what Oklahoma City did by having top lottery picks build their team by, you know, San Antonio getting top picks. If the Nuggets get a top pick, they're taking a shot, right? Yeah, that's exactly right. Like, 
Masai, I think, is a cold-blooded assassin when it comes to being a general manager. Like, I, I was thinking about this. I was thinking about this today, today, and like I'll tell you right now, I think Masai Ujiri is the second most important figure in Denver sports right now, aside from Peyton Manning, because like he's he is like so good at what he does that no matter what, as long as the Nuggets have him, they're always going to have a chance of being a really good team and making the right moves to put them in a position to contend for a championship. And I think that's exactly right. They, they know they're not going to win it as currently constructed, and they know they have to get that player. So they're, they're doing what they can to try to move up, and, and they're going to take a huge swing. And it could be a miss, but you know what? Masai Ujiri is he is so good, he can swing and miss, and he can get right back up, and he can still be, you know, two moves ahead of the next guy behind him. I mean, he's, he's that good. I love hearing that. And if you were here in studio, which we have to get you in here at some point, you would see goosebumps <laughs> in my arms because that is the type of excitement I like to hear. Um, and, uh, and, you know, you, you hear a lot of uh, apologists when it comes to the Nuggets, and most of that comes from talking about, you know, George Carl. Or, or the product or the players. But when you start talking about Masai Ujiri and his master plan, that gets me excited. But, uh, Kalen, we're going to let you go in a second here. Um, but before we do that, I just want to say you're doing a great job at roundballminingcompany.com. By the way, one of the coolest blog names ever. Um, Denver Stiffs is right up there with that, but I love it. And, uh, by the way, uh, uh, Kalen, you can be found on Twitter at Prince Pickaxe. That's uh, P-R-I-N-C-E-P-I-C-K-A-X-E. Is that correct? That, that's, that's yeah, Twitter, that's, Prince Pickaxe? I, I think that's correct, Prince Pickaxe. Yeah. Cool. Now, uh, before, uh, before we let you go, I uh, want to ask you really quickly – uh, we, we talk a lot about sports, obviously. We're the Colorado sports guys, right? But we also talk about movies. Give me uh, awesome. your favorite basketball movie of all time. Not to put you on the spot, <laughs> but, but what do you think? Oh, man. Um, I would probably say White Men Can't Jump. I don't think there's a lot of like great basketball movies out there. Like, I mean... I think Hoosiers. I just don't. It's it was like okay, but like <laughs> yeah. that scene where Gene, where Gene Hackman like kisses that whatever her name is like was just totally awkward and just like turned me <laughs> off from that point on. Yeah, that's what I'm talking and, about. <laughs> and like I I don't know, but uh, yeah, I would say White Man Can't Jump just because I like Woody Harrelson and Wesley Snipes is obviously just a bad mother and it's just a funny movie. Oh, it's a great movie. Hoop Dreams is up there too. Hoop Dreams is up oh, there too. Absolutely. Can we get a final great documentary? Can we get a final prediction real fast on what you think is going to happen tomorrow and then throw us a name if they get into the lottery? We're done talking about movies. Just for a second. <laughs> okay. I just want to hear I just want to hear three <laughs> predictions on who you, what you think the Nuggets may do if they keep the picks or what's your just overall prediction on tomorrow night? What do you think is going to happen? Okay, well, I had this planned out. I thought the Nuggets would trade up number 12 with Milwaukee and select Terrence Ross, but Milwaukee moved back. They traded with Houston today, so they moved back to 14. I don't, like, I don't think you can move up there, and I, and I think Terrence Ross might be gone by, by the time uh, you know, 14 comes around. But, so that was my prediction. Um, but right now, I I really don't know. I think I'm gonna say 
I, I think the Nuggets will try to move up. Uh, I think they'll be really active, but I think in the end they'll stay at 20, and I think they'll take uh, Jared Sullinger if he falls because he's he's he just he's too good not to take. And um, he's a uh, he's the type of player I think that the Nuggets can can risk taking. You know, even if his back does turns out to to be uh, you know a total um, hindrance to his career, I think. The Nuggets know that they can swing on a player like that and and miss and still still be okay. Anything? Uh, any predictions after that? You think the Nuggets will stay in the uh, the other spots, or what do you think? Right, right. Yeah, I actually think yeah, I think the Nuggets will uh, trade their 38th pick and the 50th pick. I think they'll try to uh, combine those and move up to the early part of the second round, or possibly late first round and try to take John Jenkins or Deron Lamb because I think they know they really need like a good outside shooter. Yeah, I like it. Ross, you got some more movie stuff over there? Sorry, I didn't mean to no, your favorite no. stuff. Good. I, I'm, I'm very happy with how this has gone. Kalen, you're the man, dude. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, it. guys. Thanks Love for it. having me on. It was, it was real fun. Thanks a lot. Kalen Dermo from a farm in southwest Colorado. Call us again, okay, buddy? <laughs> uh, thanks, guys. See you. I'll never get over this way that, I mean, when I talk to you and Jeff Morton, Andrew Feinstein, Kalen, you know, we talked to Dean Denver and we, and we talked to, you know, to all these guys that their love of these teams is so great. I, I have a hard time relating to it, but I get, I love it every time we have the people on because I mean, you know me, you know, you kind of called me out earlier, call me a fair weather fan. Casual. I just said casual. Casual. Not fair weather. And I get it. And uh, but it's like there is such a love and passion for this team, and this this Nuggets team. I I hope that that doesn't blind people to the fact that there's a lot going against a team like the Nuggets in the market they are in, in the league that they are in. But it's really fun to like listen to this type of talk, and. Think, talking about Bradley Beal, I mean, even I know who he is. And to have him here, that would be great. I Here's still don't get the idea where that he's going to be the leader of this team and how is he going to lead this team to a, uh, a championship in the next 10. You know, even if you bring him in now or this year, if that's possible, which it's highly unlikely, but even so, how is that going to translate into a championship in the next five or 10 years? I don't know. And kind of the, the message I see now, I mean, this is – you know whether it's fair or not fair because who knows where these rumors came from but you hear you know talk of the nuggets trading possibly to the number 7 pick you hear Bradley Beal himself say that the nuggets told him they're trying to trade up to get him right so it's almost like tomorrow night if they don't make that move if they don't get into the lottery and you know take a top 10 guy or get the number 2 pick and take Bradley Beal it's kind of like the same old thing with the nuggets there's that that slight bit of like a little bit of excitement and then uh, some disappointment, you know? And it's I don't know if it's fair because you don't know where these rumors came from, but they weren't able to keep a lid on it, and now they've built some excitement amongst the fans. So it's you know if they, it's tough because if they stay at 20, they can still get a good player, yada, yada. But it's like, man, we had that, that, that tingle, that excitement, that, oh, are we going to get that franchise guy, you know? And it's, hmm. it's like you're saying the, the, the crazy fans are – you know, are we crazy to think that way? And it's like, even if they do get Bradley Beal, I mean, come on, are you still really still thinking you're going to win a championship? Nuggets fans, it's like, well, that's our hope. It's know? more difficult <laughs> in, in 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 the sport of basketball. 
because in an 82-game season, well, next year will be an 82-game season. Right. There's there's so much relying on that talent that you need. You can't get through just with youthful exuberance and a team attitude. It, it has to be – you have to have the talent there. Injuries happen, you know. Yeah. Like, and Miss Wilson. This and, I, and I think back, like, you know, in recent Nuggets history and, and Carmelo Anthony and how – what a letdown that whole process was. And with the talent that the Nuggets had. And then I think about Chauncey Billups a guy that we brought onto our team twice and traded twice. And if there's anybody that the Nuggets could have kept for a long time being that leader, and of course this is not the best topic, right, coming off of his comments less than a week ago <laughs> saying that, yeah, I'm not going to fall for that again. You yeah, know, like, let him trade already, three times? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and and it's like, man, like what, what were they thinking trading Chauncey Billups away again? And, you know, you could bring in young talent, put them around a guy like Chauncey Billups, and, of course, whatever, that's, you know, it's neither here nor there. It's done, but it's like, man, like, that's a perfect guy to have here. That's the perfect guy because most guys, honestly, don't want to play in Denver, you know, except for Chauncey Billups. I mean, he's about the only superstar in the <laughs> yeah. world that would want to play in Denver. play in Denver. <laughs> and, he, you know, and, and we know, and now he's, and by the way, he's talking about, you know, uh, Bradley Beal talking about, oh, Nuggets and the, the Thunder. Uh, hey, how many times did Chauncey Billups, as he was doing the rounds last week, but you know, a week before the draft, talk about how he would, oh, yeah, play for the Heat and the, and the Thunder. Uh, wouldn't play for the Nuggets, you know, all that stuff. I mean, I think that's what's going to end up happening is you're going to see uh, Chauncey Billups go to a team like that so he can get another ring. And uh, if the Nuggets get a guy like Beal, that's great, but it's not going to translate into what Nuggets fans really want. Yeah, it's it's so tough too because, I mean, yeah, you do want that title, and you know, like we were talking about with Kalen, you you want to find that guy that just is, just mentally can't get away from basketball, you know. And it's this is kind of a weird draft because there's there's not really that marquee guy besides Anthony Davis who who even knows how good that guy's gonna be, you know. He could be a total bust. He could be pretty decent. He could be great. I don't know, but you know, I yeah, it's tough, man. I mean. You just don't know if these guys, if they're going to be the dude to to lead them to a championship, and it's kind of like, yeah, you think as a Nuggets fan that they're probably not going to be. It's like, you know, like you say, that's yeah, he's probably not going to do it. You know, but <laughs> I can kind of see tomorrow night um, for my predictions. If anybody cares, <laughs> I, hey, Nobody? anybody, Timmons, anybody? hold on, real quick. Uh, what do you what do you predicted for tomorrow night? Oh yeah, glad you asked, <laughs> Ross. I'm glad you asked. Um, I think if they trade up. If they get into the lottery, I mean, they have to do whatever it takes. They Are they have at twenty right now. Twenty. Yeah. So they have to they have to do what it takes. If they if Bradley Beal's a the guy they like, it's the number two pick. You got to do what you got to do to get there. If they want Danilo Gallinari instead of you know a Wilson Chandler, then if you part ways with Danilo Gallinari, the fan base has to accept the fact that the Nuggets didn't deem him as the guy that perhaps we thought he was. For a short glimpse. I just have a quick question. Yeah. What is your opinion of Daniil Gallinari? Because I don't think there's any possible way any sane Nuggets fan would think that's the guy. You know, I mean, I mean I, I, my whole thing with him, I, like I've seen this summer, I've seen Jordan Hamilton is at Pepsi Center working out every day. He works out, like, just waits three to four hours a day, and then he plays basketball. 
You know, I mean, this guy is in town killing himself to get a chance at cracking the lineup. Ty Lawson's been in Denver quite a bit this offseason. JaVale McGee's even been here. You look at Wilson Chandler's rehabbing here. Where's Daniil Gallinari? He's in Italy. Of course, there's gyms in Italy. Of course, you know, some Nuggets personnel can fly over there, hang out with him for a little while, but I don't know. I mean, is Hasn't Daniil Gallinari already accomplished everything in his life that he needs to accomplish? He's a famous Italian guy. He's dated similar, supermodels. Similar to the way Carmelo Anthony, now in New York, has accomplished everything that he needs to accomplish. And there's no chip on Carmelo Anthony's shoulder. There's no chip on Daniil Gallinari's shoulder. There's there's no competitive fire in those guys. You know, isn't it like if there's some value to Daniil Gallinari, don't we just use that right now and just ship move him along? Like I said, if the, if the Nuggets believe that the player that they want is there and they trade a guy like Gallo for him, you're going to hear some disgruntled fans. You're going to hear a lot of our fans on Denver Stiffs have been saying, "Get rid of him. We don't care." Like. We know what he is. He's not gonna. He's not Dirk Nowitzki. He's not, you know, gonna be Michael Jordan. I don't know what he's gonna be. He supposedly is saying that he does have a chip on his shoulder from his poor performance in the playoffs. But it's like, then no why aren't chip. you? Why aren't he you here working care. out with the team and the coaches and learning about what they want you to do? Yeah, he's exactly like Nene, right? I don't. know. Everybody had a lot of promise with him too, and 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 uh, you know, Kalen just mentioned how. You know, he was surprised that Nene was traded. And the only reason why I was surprised he was traded is because somebody actually wanted to trade for him. Yeah. That's the only reason why I was surprised. <laughs> he should have been gone. I thought he should have been gone before the season. I mean, how many, much do we watch a guy who has all this supposed talent that just no has no heart, doesn't really care? You know, and a guy like Nene, he, he proved everything he needed to prove in his life, you know, coming here and getting a 10 or $15 million contract. Yeah, he's done. He's he's reached the pinnacle. And and in the NBA specifically, you need guys that want to go out there and prove something. And there's something, yeah, that you want guys that want to prove something. You want guys that want to work with the coaching staff as much as possible. You know, I, I don't know how many real big time superstars, you know, aren't around. I don't know what I don't know what Michael Jordan did. I don't know if he left during the off season. I've read like three Jordan books. I don't know how I don't know this. <laughs> but I don't know if he left and just worked on his game by himself. Maybe that works. Maybe you see him come back and maybe Gallo does something special. I don't I don't know, but I just would feel more comfortable if, with a player that I did know was like, you know, I mean, I just, I, again, I'll say Jordan Hamilton's name. I just see this guy just killing himself this offseason just to maybe get 20 minutes a night next year. And that's the kind of guys that you want you want all you want everybody here doing that, but you know if, if Danilo thinks it's more important for him to be by himself and do it, maybe he's get comfortable with his you know coaches in Italy or whatever. You know how is that working out for you? You know is it should you try something different because you're obviously questioning your own game after the playoffs, so maybe you should stay with these guys here. But no matter what the Nuggets do tomorrow, if they make a move, it's because they believed that that was the right move to make. If they don't make a move, there's going to be some disappointment. And, you know, yeah, they have a, a playoff team now. They took the Lakers to seven games. Maybe they can add a, a Jared Solinger if he falls. Maybe they can add Andrew Nicholson. They're going to get a nice, you know, complimentary player that's either going to push for each for the starting job or come off the bench. Or if they take a point guard, he's going to be behind Lawson. Maybe he can push him. But, you know, just that that tingle of specialness at the top of the draft that they toyed with us with. Yeah. That's yeah. enough to, 
you know, nobody's even nobody cares about the twentieth pick anymore. We want the damn number two pick. I, I, I hear you, buddy. I hear you, man. <laughs> so all right, well, good episode. It was fun. It was fun having some Collins here. Um, you know, we certainly enjoyed Duran Hill talking about his uh, fight night on July thirteenth. Uh, we're gonna put links up to all that stuff. Um, Kalen Dermo, fantastic. Roundballminingcompany.com. Uh, pick Prince Pickaxe on Twitter if you want to tweet him. And um, I, I'm a little, you know, I'm pretty I'm pretty happy with the movie talk tonight, I guess. I mean, Duran Hill, Million Dollar Baby. <laughs> I like that movie, oh, man. I gosh. like that movie. Uh, <laughs> Hillary Swank. <laughs> I don't think so. Uh, I'll pass. I haven't seen The Greatest starring Muhammad Ali, but I have a feeling it was, you know, one of those 70s movies that was kind of, Kind of hokey. Yeah, I have a feeling we caught Duran off, uh, you know, a little off guard. Yeah, because throwing out the million dollar baby. Mm. Oh, I love. Um, I, I watch uh, it. And then, of course, uh, you and Kalen a little uh, simpatico when it comes to Hoosiers. Yeah. <laughs> uh, gosh, are you guys like uh, winding it down to like the end when he kisses the lady who's moderately attractive? It goes back to the whole story of that's completely an unrealistic <laughs> relationship. Whatever, whatever. That lady wasn't attractive. Gene Hackman's not, and Gene age, Hackman's not their attractive. Age difference, Gene very Hackman bizarre. Is incredibly attractive. Ugh. But uh, Kalen. Uh, I'll say this to you. Uh, not only did you have uh, great information and good opinions about the Nuggets, but uh, White Men Can't Jump. Phenomenal. Phenomenal movie. That movie has saved me many times in my uh, relationships. Is it you're listening, but you're not hearing what he's saying? Yeah, there's that. And then uh, the most important thing, if you're uh, for, for all of our young listeners out there who are maybe have a, maybe have a girlfriend or boyfriend that uh, they're having troubles with, all you need to do is listen to uh, – Gloria's quote, played by Rosie Perez. Sometimes when you lose, you really win. Sometimes when you win, you really lose. And sometimes when you win or lose, you actually tie. <laughs> that is words of wisdom. The other one. Your Latin accents. Up. Phenomenal, oh, yeah, by the way. Good. Uh, yeah. Thank you, uh, Willie Tavares. You taught me that. <laughs> the other one. The other one is uh, when uh, she's like, uh, Billy, I'm thirsty. I need a glass of water. And he goes and gets her a glass of water. And he goes, and she says, uh, and she goes, I don't want you to solve my problems or something like that. And he goes, when I say I'm thirsty, I don't want you to get me a glass of water. I want you to sympathize instead and say, I too am thirsty. I too have wanted a glass of water. <laughs> so let me just say, that's all you need to know yeah. in your life, in your relationships, whether you're a man or a woman with a boyfriend, girlfriend, or otherwise. That, that is uh, that movie. It's Rosie full of, Perez. Full of wisdom. Her big forehead, great. her uh, loose tank tops. <laughs> great movie. <laughs> so uh, let's get out of here. What do you think? Yeah, man, that was great. I love talking boxing. We're going to have Duran back on, of course, to talk about his MMA event. I believe he said it was in September. But July 13th, hit up the Exto Event Center. Uh, find Kalen Der Dermo doing a great job at round ball. He is a, a, a draft nerd like myself, so it's, it was great to uh, get into some good one-on-one uh, -on -one talk there. Yes, so let's get out of here. Timmons. Yeah, man. Episode 47, 48. We'll see you next week.